The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you ready to move from your good life to one that is amazing? Then you've tuned in to the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you the tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is amazing. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being part of our show today and for continuing to share with your friends and colleagues tools that can help individuals move in their lives from good to amazing. Our guest today is Andrew Harvey, and Andrew is a living example of people that have moved from good to amazing and also ask each of us to go inside ourselves and seek and open avenues which move us from just a conversation in our head to our heart to making a difference in the world and to being activists for everyday living. Andrew, thank you for being on our show today. Oh, Temple, thank you. And I never, I never forget my time in St. Petersburg with you and your church. Thank you for creating such a gorgeous and alive environment there. And we're also looking forward to having you back because everyone was so moved by who you are. And it fascinates me, um, all the things that you have done in your life, in your life journey, and that you've authored 30 books. It's just amazing. Um, how you contribute to our world and so first and foremost i want to thank you for that for the immense way in which you contribute to society both on local levels and globally as well thank you for who you are in the world well back to you and it's such an exciting time to be doing this work i think you know we've all been in the spiritual trenches for quite a while now but there is a birth taking place and that's what i'm devoting my life to trying to be a kind of ragged midwife of. You know, in my book, The Hope, I try and lay down what I believe to be the overall vision for the transformation of the planet in sacred activism. And in the new book I just produced called Radical Passion, I'm really talking about the necessity for us to be activated by a great sacred passion for life so that we can fall in love with life again, fall in love with each other, fall in love with compassion and justice, and start acting together to transform our world before the very dark forces that seem to want to destroy it do destroy it. It's an amazingly challenging time, but an amazingly exciting time, and I'm so happy that I've been given the chance to participate in this great mystical renaissance that we've all been part of. 
The timing is so beautiful, isn't it? And what I love about your teachings and I feel such um, a wonderful resonation with is how you help people to see that a lot of things that we're feeling right now are just the normalcy of life, like you alluded to in some of your videos when you talk about sacred activism, how some of us wake up or, or we're woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a sense of like almost anxiousness and things like that because there's a deeper soul calling for yes. all of us to to want to be part of this transformation but also to participate in this transformation. Well, I think that underneath we're all shattered and heartbroken and extremely afraid of what's happening. After all, you know, the two billion people are living on less than a dollar a day. 95% of the seas are polluted. The Amazon forests are burning down. The energy is a terrible bargain because if we exploit it all, we'll burn away the ozone layer. We're in terrible trouble and we have we live in this complete fantasy culture which tells people how fabulous they are and how wonderful everything is, but everybody knows behind the scenes that there is madness. And then if you tell people that if they're feeling this heartbreak and terror that they're crazy, then you make it even more difficult. So if you really give people permission to feel the heartbreak and to realize that it's the divine in them that's awakening to love, if you give people permission to understand that the fear is there, not to make them paralyzed with fear, but to give them the kick up the butt that they need to start acting to change the situation that causes the fear, then you can really start helping people to come out of what I call marzipan mysticism, a kind of banal cheerfulness, which never addresses the real stuff, or out of depressed, desolate despair, which is, of course, an impossibly unhelpful reaction. Both are unhelpful. Thank God there is another position, which is the real position, which is to see the divine is here with us. We're going through an immense evolutionary crisis. We're making almost every conceivable mistake at the moment. We're creating chaos and darkness, but there is great hope. There is a mystical renaissance taking place. We've just avoided a really dangerous choice in the American election. There are millions of people all over the world waking up to the environment, to the devastation that's happening and coming together. Let's be a part of this birth. Oh, I, I just, I love your work. I was sharing yesterday that one of Father Thomas Keating's quotes is about for human beings, for us to understand the necessity for us to become fully human, for in becoming fully human, that is where we discover our fully uh, being divine. And Absolutely. in the parameters that that you are creating, Andrew, is people have the tendency to think that if we look at the darkness and if we look at the tragedy in the world and the things like that, especially a lot of times people that get into new thought, they tend to equate that as, I need to be more positive. Whereas people like you or people like me as shaman would understand that the ability to look at the world and to see it 
with a certain place of reality and yet to be able to hold a greater potentiality that is the greatest space we can be as a as a mystic and as a student of truth is to not deny it but to see that yes it is so and yet to feel it and then to see the revelation of a new insight of what could be real or how we can participate in being the change agents. That's so beautifully put, and it's so true. And it's so demeaning and stupid to say that if we're looking at the dark and only increasing it, it may be that the real often is that the real positive is born out of the dark. For example, if 10 million people at this moment really allowed themselves to be completely heartbroken at the horror of poverty, 10 million people might come together and say, we're not going to have these policies, these trade policies, this addiction to consumerism, this mad pursuit of money above all else, because what we're doing is killing the poor and devil would result in real change. Yes. We cannot have real change until we've registered the full craziness and madness and despair and difficulty of where we are. Otherwise, we'll be using a fake spirituality to become even more dissociated than we already are. And that That's is so terribly true. dangerous. That- that's absolutely so true. Well, in my what? new book, in, you know, in Radical Passion, I talk a great deal about this, what I call the, the, the fakeness of modern New Age spirituality. Let's face it, New Age spirituality has had some wonderful successes. It's opened us up to the marriage between mysticism and science. It's reconsecrated the body, and that's very important. It's familiarized a lot of people with wonderfully exciting concepts like karma and all the rest of it from the Eastern traditions, but it's had very, very dark effects also because in telling people not to look at the dark, it gives the dark total permission to do whatever it wants without any kind of protest or outrage or movement of sacred activism against it. And this basically allows the dark forces to burn the world to death while telling people that if they're reacting, if they're outraged, if they're angry, if they're depressed, if they're sad, if they're heartbroken, they're doing something wrong when in fact they're beginning to do something extraordinarily right, which is wake up and smell the burning coffee and start activating the heart and start doing something in the core of your life to really transform the situation. That's what the divine is trying to tell us. And all of this secret stuff in which you feel that, you're, that God is there just to do the bidding of your ego to give you McMansions and girlfriends and boyfriends and the right kind of taupe wallpaper is obscene. God isn't there to do the bidding of the ego. God is there to reveal the truth of the divine self and of the power and beauty and grandeur that flows from the divine self after the ego has gone through its ordeals and deaths to release that divine self. That's the authentic mystical path. And what we've been sold in the bazaar of the New Age for decades now is corporate-sponsored, passive-making, maddening, stupid rubbish. Well, it's such a a huge industry of of people wanting to delve more into understanding their... um subconscious mind 
but yet it's just another reason to understand why you do what you do rather than, okay, so be it and let's move on and I enjoy this part of my humanity and let me do something from... I think it's much more than that, actually. I think it is that a a corporate agenda that is destroying the planet wants to take over the planet and really reduce people to robots and go on strip mining an already devastated world wants to keep people passive and actually loves selling them a fake spirituality that tells them, don't look at the dark, don't look at the destruction, don't look at what's happening, just concentrate on the light, on the positive, and of course, concentrate too on getting God to fulfill all your corporate fantasies of power and money and domination. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very dangerous philosophy, and it has nothing whatever to do with the authentic mystical path or with the birth of um, the movement that we need on the planet, which is coming, which is a movement of grassroots revolution, of love in action, because until millions of us are heartbroken at where we are, until millions of us are deeply afraid of continuing this mad actions that we're doing because they can only result in total disaster, until millions of us are really prepared to put heartfelt love and compassion into action, we're going to continue this and we're going to potentially die out and take a great deal of the planet with us. We're in very serious straits. But the great beauty of being alive now is that this huge crisis is calling out a very, very passionate response. And my work in the Hope and especially in this news book, Radical Passion, is really about that response. What kind of response do we need to a crisis this deep? It can't just be loving and peaceful and turning to the light. First, we've got to register the depth of the crisis. Then we've got to feel the crisis. Then we need to really connect with the divine inside us to be able to create a container strong enough to connect with and feel with the crisis. And then simultaneously we need to choose things that we really care about and do something with other people about them. Otherwise, it's fantasy talk. And anyone that's listening, you may go to andrewharvey.net and you can uh, purchase his book there, Radical Passion, and also the book Hope. Now, Andrew, Hope has... um, really moved and inspired a lot of people to get on board with the sacred activism movement. Haven't you noticed a change in the people that you've communicated with on your lectures, seminars, that it has really hit hit a core well, with them? Well, I have to tell you that it's been an absolutely agonizing experience because I published The Hope after six years of work on sacred activism, and I published it three years ago. So it's taken 10 years of my life, and for at least um, nine years of my life, I think, I was overwhelmed by the coma that America is in, the complete lack of deep seeing, deep feeling, the lack of any kind of authentic spirituality in this addiction to New Age nonsense. So I must say that for nine years, I felt... Nothing is going to shift this culture. They're in a total coma. All they want is God to provide McMansions and Mercedes Benzes and beautiful girls and boys and not do a damn thing about the agony and heartbreak of the world. And I was very close to despair. But in the last year, I've seen that there is a major shift happening. I think 
hundreds of thousands of people are waking up to the fact that we're not going to get back the fantasy of unlimited growth. There is no such thing. The world is probably going to go through a whole set of terrifying crises. We've just had this huge storm. The climate is out of whack completely. We're not doing anything about the environment, etc., etc. And there are millions of people now who are waking up to this. So in the last part of this long slog, I'm feeling that at last people are beginning to begin to begin to get real. But it's been a very long journey. But I think that whenever you try to birth something new, something radical, something pioneering, you have to face the suffering of that. And you have to face the rejection. Now everybody's talking about sacred activism. It's everywhere. But I believe me, seven years ago, people would say, why are you talking about the crisis? There is no crisis. Or don't you know that you're just making the darkness worse by actually bringing it up? Or I don't believe in the shadow. The shadow doesn't really exist because we're all divine. Rubbish like that. Or I don't want to do anything. I mean, it's been um, with the cultures in an amazingly broken down state. But there is great hope. And I think that I was very surprised that Obama was elected, quite honestly. I thought the American people had really had it and that they would sign their death warrant by electing. And I hope I'm not offending anybody, but that's what I really felt. And I was very heartened by the fact that the American people seem to have rejected fanaticism and intolerance and telling women what to do with their bodies and um, demeaning gays for gay marriage and have really shown that they are, at heart, a pioneering people who want tolerance and want justice and compassion and however confusedly so that is a sign of hope but let's face it there's still not nearly enough being done temple you know this and i know this it's just yeah that's correct there's not there's not near enough being done and for those of you who are listening and already feeling like you know that's exactly right, and I want to do more. I would urge you to go on Andrew Harvey, andrewharvey.net, and, and join his mission for sacred activism. And look around you. There is so many things that you can become part of that's already there. You don't even have to reinvent the wheel. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today with From Good to Amazing. I want to thank all of you for supporting Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back after this message. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. 
I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. John is looking for adventure. Mumbai is a must-see, and the night safari, that's one for the life list. Joe is seeking a little Eastern enlightenment. As the Buddha said, it is better to travel well than to arrive. Both find peace in daily meditation. Both Joe and John will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th through May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the East. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. Our guest today on From Good to Amazing is Andrew Harvey. He is the author of 30 books. More importantly, over the last several years, he has been creating a movement within many people to consider the sacred path, which immediately leads us to a place of action called sacred activism. Andrew, I know that some people are listening today, and I hear people say this often, you know, well, I'm just really not sure what my purpose Purposes, and I really don't know how I can make a difference in the world. I must say that sometimes that statement surprises me because you can drive three houses down and find a purpose, you know, and a mission in how to help someone else or reach out to your neighbor. But talk to us from your study, your research, and what you know. How can people really get in touch with what their mission is? Well, I have a lot of sympathy for people who say that, actually, because I can, when I, as I travel the world, I meet so many people who have really deep feelings about what's happening, but have so many kinds of feelings. They feel about the environment, they feel about animals, they feel about gay rights, they feel about poverty, they feel, they really do feel. And all these feelings make it somehow, sometimes confusing to choose which one are you really going to follow. So about four or five years ago, I invented a practice which has now gone all over the world and helped, I think, hundreds of thousands of people potentially. And the practice is simply to wake up at three o'clock in the morning or five o'clock if you're not too athletic. And at that time of quietness, just surround yourself by the peace of God and then look at the world and ask yourself one question. 
And that question is, I believe, what of all of these causes that I know I feel about breaks my heart the most? And when you start really, really asking that question and penetrating down through the layers of your heart, you will usually find one or two causes which absolutely make you want to scream and climb the walls and really break your heart open. And when you find your heartbreak, this is where I think new thought is very, very naive and limited and the new age is idiotic. It's not that when you find your heartbreak, you infuse the negative with even more power. It's when you find your heartbreak that you find your passion to do something about that heartbreak, the energy that you can then set about working to stop those things happening that break your heart. So what... I advise people to do is to start asking that question to great depth to themselves. And the little, little hints that I give, sometimes I say to people, look, when you read a paper, notice what you can read calmly and what you try to read fast because it actually disturbs you so much. I discovered years ago when I asked myself this question how deeply I feel about animals because I was reading the New York Times and I was reading about genocide and God knows what the usual catalogue of horrors and I was reacting and I was feeling sad but then there came an article about some unfortunate Mexican immigrants who were so dissociated and disturbed and degraded themselves that they were killing heifers in the most atrocious way in a Texas slaughterhouse and I felt terrible for them but I couldn't read about it. I just felt absolutely shattered and terribly, terribly disturbed. And at that moment, I realized that the cause that I, my personal sacred activism is dedicated to is animal rights, because I just feel that that is the most terrible thing that we're doing on the planet, is the way we're treating animals. So what is your heartbreak? What is the heartbreak of the people listening today? What really, really, really gets you so disturbed that you almost don't want to realize that that pain is there. You want to shy away from it. You want to pretend it's not happening. Have the courage through the peace and the blessing of God to go into the depths of that pain and then have the courage to pledge and vow to do something about it. Then I say to people, look, it's often very bewildering when you found your heartbreak to think about how on earth can I, this one person, do something about this. So in the hope, what I've done, and if you go to my website, you can also see networksofgrace.org, I've created a worldwide <coughs> organization of what I call Networks of Grace, because I was studying the right-wing organizations and the fundamentalist organizations, which are brilliantly organized, unlike ours. And they work with cells. They work with cells of between 6 to 15 people who are joined together in a common purpose. And so what I proposed as the kind of module for sacred activism, the revolution of grassroots action through love, is a whole worldwide network of, networks of grace. And these networks consist of 6 to 15 people who care about the same heartbreak and passion and who come together to work together, to pool their resources, to pool their networks to pool their hearts, to pray together, to infuse each other with enthusiasm, to really start doing something about what they care about. So you don't have to do it on your own. It's much, much better if you start forming small 
communities of between six to 15 people who care about what you care about and then meet regularly and pray together and eat together and fall in love spiritually with each other and choose things to do in your local community that reflect your suffering and your heartbreak for the world and your passion to see things different. That's my suggestion. And that's the whole thing is in your simplistic way of explaining it, it's it's not difficult. And that's exactly what we're doing in our community. We have foot traffic of around 5,000 people a month. And so we introduced these, these seven-week modules. And one was animal rights and human rights and elder rights and children rights and homeless rights, etc. And then out of that... People organically, like you said, had a call to do something about one of those types of things. And so, ironically, we're actually meeting tonight after our, our call with you. And uh, those that were really called to be, become part of a community are going to form those 6 to 15 groups of people. It's Wonderful. just absolutely brilliant how that works. I, I think sometimes we we just want to make things complicated. It doesn't really have to be complicated. I mean, I six to fifteen people can <laughs> offer a homeless food. They can uh, build a home. I mean, they can do simplistic things or profound things. It's it's not hard, really. Well, the simple things are the profound things. I mean, nothing is more profound than building a home for a homeless person or feeding the homeless or the poor or doing something to help the terrible situation of animals. And what people discover is, and I know you know this, Temple, better than anybody, is that when people come together in that way, incredible new friendships are formed, incredible sense of what we can do when we are enthused together takes place. And amazing inspiration is born, and six people or 15 people are a lot more intelligent together than even the most illumined one person, if you have six very awake people who are really working on their shadows and egos to keep them out as much as possible, who really want to work together to do something, extraordinary synergistic energy flows between them and a wholly new way of living. Can The living outside the boxes of our isolation can become available to people. It's very exciting. I'm thrilled that you're doing that work. And I'm also thrilled that um, you're saying to people... What I've been saying, really, and I think it comes from the same knowledge, and that is, this is a situation so extreme that if we allow all of its facets to just overwhelm us, we will do nothing because we'll think, my God, I can't do it all. I can't save the environment. I can't heal the sick. I can't feed the poor, and I can't change the corporate agenda overnight, so I'm not going to do anything. And that, of course, is a completely crazy reaction, but it's an understandable one in the situation. If you choose one thing that you can do and feel deeply about and do it with a group of other people and do keep your goals real but modest and local and start seeing the results of what you do, then you'll become amazingly more optimistic and hopeful and filled with energy and then all kinds of miracles will start. Let's start and let's see what happens. And what usually happens is that people find themselves much happier, much more filled with energy, much more filled with hope, and much more able to go forward with real focus. Well, and I think that when people are into that energy and living through, you know, God's grace, I think they forget about simple things like getting old and they start 
uh, celebrating the truth of life in a way that's very energizing and very uplifting. And, um, (laughs) you know, and it's so evident When, when you look at people that are the change makers, they are ageless, at least in, in the way they show up in the world. Yes, and some of the most extraordinary people are in their 70s and 80s. I was in England recently, just met a woman called Scylla Elworthy, who's been nominated for the Nobel Prize for her extraordinary work in reconciliation three times. Scylla is 75, she looks 12, and she <laughs> acts 7. And she has more energy than a room full of 17-year-olds because she's living her authentic life. She's not under any illusion about the world. She doesn't believe that she's God. She's just a woman in love with the world doing work she's inflamed by with her whole being. And it keeps her young. It keeps her fascinating. It keeps her exciting. And the same is true for Jane Goodall. The same is true for His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Look at him. He's 76. And he's got more energy and radiance than a child. (laughs) This is the secret of life. If you find this, you always have joy. Whatever the situation, however terrible it is, there's always something that you can do to help, to serve, to make beauty possible. And that's what keeps you young and much more radiant than anything that the secret could ever give you. I mean, the McMansion will get boring after a while and the Mercedes-Benz will run down, but divine joy will only increase the more you serve it through service. It's so true, because when you're serving through service, it's it's like someone will say, well, gosh, you know, how are you, and are you having lots of problems lately? It's like, who has time? Who has time for problems? <laughs> when you're really living in the world as a full participant, and you are more than, you know, uh, you get tickled sometimes at the people that write the books about how to make friends when they don't even know who their neighbors are. (laughs) (laughs) We've met a lot of them, you know. I mean, when when you're really about uh, being part of the change or the, as people always allude to the Gandhi statement, be the change you wish to see in the world, uh, you're really not focused on this inner dialogue all the time of what's not working for you because you're, you're so in the flow of spirit, you know. Absolutely. Well, and also you're much more concerned about what isn't working for other people. You're not just focused on your own narcissistic needs. You're really aware that whatever you're going through, there are millions of people going through far worse. I mean, when I know you must have been, I know you've been through very difficult things, and so have I, but I was not in Rwanda. I was not a woman gang raped. I have not starved in a slum in Calcutta. I have not been an animal shot in a cage by trophy hunters. I've been in very terrible situations, but there's always people far, far worse suffering far, far more. And what my suffering has opened me up to is that suffering. So I try not to be as absorbed as I can. I can, I was sometimes in the depths of my own pain because the pain of the world is so great. So that instead of your suffering becoming an endless fountain of narcissistic self-concern, it becomes a door into seeing others' pain and what you can do about it and how you can serve it and how you can help. And that changes everything because if you do that, you'll find that so much of your suffering will disappear because a great joy that only service can bring will take over your life. Is that what brought you, Andrew, to, you know, writing Radical Passion? What what new insight or what awareness came that created you to write the book? 
Well, fundamentally, it comes from my real love of Rumi and Jesus, because the two people who've influenced my heart the most and who remain the beings that I commune with at the deepest level that I can are Rumi, you know, the great mystical poet, and Jesus, and they're very, very connected because both of them were creatures and beings of enormous passion. Rumi's poetry really is the most passionate mystical poetry we've ever been given, and Jesus' sacred passion for life, for people, for justice, for compassion, for animals, for relating with tenderness and love radiates intensity through everything he did. And then I looked around at our contemporary world, and I saw a lot of quite decent people. I saw a lot of people struggling on the path. I saw a lot of people trying to do some good. But I also saw a tremendous anorexia of real sacred passion. And that's why I wrote Sacred Passion, because I wanted to bring together everything I'd ever written about passion from all the different aspects of passion, tantric passion, emotional passion, passion for sacred action, passion for God, mystical passion, all the different forms of passion, so that there could be a huge bonfire of celebration of this divine feminine force of intense sacred energy that I think we desperately need now on the earth, because without passion, we're not going to really get together to change the situation. Without sacred passion, we're not going to find the energy to go on going on in often very difficult circumstances. And without linking to the great sacred passion of the divine to see humanity transformed, we're not going to align ourselves with the energies of the great birth that's trying to take place. So it's a very, very... Uh, passionate book, as you can imagine. It's a manifesto, really, of how essential it is now, I believe, to revive the passion for life, the passion for creation, the passion for God, the passion for sacred action, the passion for justice, the passion for compassion in action on every level, because it's that multifaceted passion that aligns us with the evolutionary will of God and is, in fact, the evolutionary will of God in action. So it's quite an exciting book. I loved it. I loved writing it, and I loved putting it together, and I've had the most amazing responses to it. I think a lot of people are now realizing that peace is a very important part of the spiritual path, serenity also, but it's not enough. A bird does not fly on only one wing. On the one hand, you need great peace, and on the other hand, you need great passion. And the great passion, in the sacred sense, is fed from the great peace. It's not just emotions or theatricality or outrage. Passion is the burning of love in the heart, the burning of love for animals, the burning in love for the poor, the burning in love for the rejected, the burning in love for those who suffer so much, the burning in love for those who are in power and feel that they know something when in fact they're committing soul suicide. A love that can take you to be wild enough to really put your life on the line to do something. That's what everybody now needs. That's what the human race now needs. Because unless we're infused by this kind of radical passion, we're not going to turn the situation around. Infused by this radical passion, we can not only turn the situation around, but we can realize the true meaning of this situation, which I believe, and I've said again and again in my book, is to actually birth a new kind of humanity. But birth, God, takes passion. Have you ever seen a mother giving birth? I mean, it's amazing what passion it takes, and that's what the passion our birth is going to take. 
Andrew actually states on his website, it's a wake-up call to put love and compassion to urgent, focused action. You can go to his website at andrewharvey.net and purchase the book Radical Passion, Sacred Love and Wisdom in Action. Or if you're local you can in Tampa Bay, you can go to our very own Wings Bookstore. It would make a great Christmas and holiday gift this time of year. It's a wonderful bookstore, too. I absolutely love your bookstore. It's one of the most beautiful of the church bookstores I've ever seen, and I love the person who runs it. Would you give her my love? <laughs> I will, Andrew. That's Sharon Javins. Really we'll be beautiful. right back after this short break. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for Everyday Attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. So welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us, and thank you for sharing the good word about From Good to Amazing. We have authors and leading-edge spiritual leaders in our world that are making a difference and bringing us from a place of of actual, from passion to participation, and actually going into action about the things that matter the most. We're talking today with Andrew Harvey. He is the author of 30 books. Most recently, Hope, and now his new book, Radical Passion, Sacred Love and Wisdom in Action. Uh, Andrew, I was reading some of the comments written by Marianne Williamson, Elizabeth Lesser. I mean, many people are seeing this as being a book that is not only going to make a lot of difference to people that become difference makers, but it's transformative in nature that by people reading it, they're having new insights and awarenesses about the deeper soul call within them. Are you getting that kind of response from other people? I am now, and I think that's giving me great heart. As I said earlier, I think it took me a long time to believe that people could receive it, but I think the crisis is deepening, so people are opening, and that gives me tremendous joy. 
what I was really trying to do in The Hope and now in Radical Passion is to offer people a very challenging but very inspiring vision. I wanted to challenge them to get off their asses and stop being so narcissistic and stop being so self-absorbed and stop seeming so trapped in the consumerist culture that wants people to be self-absorbed, individuated, individualist and consumerist. But I also wanted to offer something very inspiring because it's all very well to challenge people, but what are you going to give them in exchange? And what I've tried to offer in exchange is nothing less than the divine life in a human body. And that is waking up to the glory of the heart, waking up to the passion of living with your full being in the divine, and waking up to the great, great joy that only serving your soul's purpose can give you. Nothing else can give you joy on that level. It's You can have millions of dollars and never know that joy. You can have millions of lovers and never know that joy. It's when you truly, truly know why you're on the earth and then run all the risks you need to run to put that into practice that you learn to connect with the divine joy, which never runs dry and never is defeated and never is exhausted. And that's why I wrote Radical Passion, to really express that and to try and give people different ways into that from all of the different traditions and to really connect that joy and that passion to the great task of our time, which is to birth compassion and justice in action in every realm of the world very fast because we've got to do it very fast because time is running out for the human race. We're in environmental free fall. We have no solutions. We've got to raise our consciousness, come together, act together, and do the very best we can to create structures that will survive the storm that's already here and it's going to get much more dramatic. And like you said, it, it's so encouraging because for so many years it seemed that when you would talk to various people in, in settings of uh, spirituality and believing that we're all so cool. interconnected yeah. and, and, and related, that like you said, initially a lot of people would look at the various things that needed some kind of help, support, or in insightfulness, and they would go, well, there's just so much to be done, and so what would happen is no one did any. Well, they would say that, or as we were saying earlier, they would say, oh my God, just looking at the dark increases the power of the dark, and that what we really want to do is to be um, jazzing with sweet vibrations. That's a kind of signing off from the suffering of the planet. It's an insanity. So there's been a lot of very, very dangerous pseudo-spirituality out there. And I think what's happening is that the tragedy of the real situation, the heartbreak of the real situation, the fact that more and more people are waking up to our environmental crisis, to the crisis of the burning forests and the polluted seas and the poor, what that is really doing is clearing away the rubbish of pseudo-New Age spirituality and awakening people to the need for a much more demanding but finally much more beautiful and inspiring spirituality that says basically three things to every human being. Get real about what's happening in the world right now and realize that the world is in incredible danger. First thing. Second thing, do not be afraid because you are divine. Claim your divine identity through prayer and meditation. Follow the advice of all of the mystics and find your own way into your own divine truth. Third, put that 
divine truth into action with others and discover the joy of service and the sacred rapture of community and you will become a midwife of the new world that God wants to birth. Those are the three messages, I believe, that are really out there from the divine directly. And whenever you hear things that are not talking about either the heartbreak or service, you can be damn sure that what you're being sold is a corporately sponsored spirituality that wants to keep people passive and idiotic in the face of extreme danger so that the agenda can go on raping the planet. That's very, and that would be now environmental evolutionary suicide. Absolutely. There's Am I making no sense doubt to you about or it. Does this seem too strong to you? I'm excited that people are starting to really want to participate and be change agents. I am. I have seen so many people that I think of as profound and and uh, capable spend way too much time in a classroom, still trying to get it right before they do anything. You know, oh, and yeah. as we as we look at that, um, the heart archetypes. And, and the healer, I mean, the great healer, the shadow of the great healer is perfectionism. And yeah, exactly. We have so many people that are waiting to just get it right or get it perfect or wait till they get this one more thing fixed about themselves. And the interesting thing about it is they're not even broken. You know, they have so much to offer right now that they, they don't need to wait and I think that's part of the the urging hour that we're having today as uh, Andrew and I are talking about being activists in the world is uh, to be moved to get moving you know part yes, of and don't wait until you're enlightened because you'll never be enlightened if you don't act that's the fantasy if you start with love and ask God's grace and help and start moving from your compassion and marry a deep meditation practice with a really deep cause that you really do something about, your whole journey to enlightenment will speed up with quantum intensity because that's what it takes. It takes plunging into the real world and loving wildly and making mistakes and picking yourself up and turning to God and being transformed deeper and deeper and deeper into love's agent. You cannot achieve awakening by separation from the suffering of the world. You can only be awoken in the core of the pain through reacting to it honestly and making a naked, passionate commitment in the core of your soul to do something about it. Then the joy will come. Then the energy will come. Then the passion will rise. Then you'll suddenly feel far more free than you ever felt when you were denying the pain because what you'll discover is that there's something in you that is beyond pain, but you can only discover that in the center of the furnace of the world. You can't discover that only on a mountain because in the mountain you can have all kinds of fantasies. In the furnace, only reality will be real, but that reality will save your life and energize you beyond imagining. And I want to thank everyone for being part of this show today with Andrew, and Andrew more specifically. I want to thank you for being on the show from Good to Amazing. If you're called to be a diff- if you're called to be a difference maker, you're welcome to contact me at Temple at TempleHaze.org or to go to UnityCampus.org. You can also 
more importantly, go to Andrew Harvey's website, andrewharvey.net. You can get in touch with his organization. There are a list of things you can do to become a participant and to be a change maker. There's a whole lot of difference between a difference maker and a difference taker. One is active and one is passive. We celebrate with you, both Andrew and myself, in knowing that you will become active. Thank you, God. Thank <laughs> For you, God. It is so. Activism. And so it is. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. See you very soon, I hope, dear Temple. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern for more tools to move your life from good to amazing. This program is brought to you in part by Temple Hayes Ministries Online at www.templehays.org and First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. Online at www.unitycampus.org. life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Spiritual Coaching, Creating a Vibrant Life. Each week, Carla visits with leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred space to dialogue about real life and real world transformations. That's Spiritual Coaching, Living a Vibrant Life with Reverend Carla McClellan. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed and there's no other door in sight? In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that Everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. 
The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Universe responding. Universe responding. This program is brought to you in part by Universe Responding Resources, Inc. in Celebration, Florida. Please visit us at www.universeresponding.com and at our Universe Responding Facebook page. Universe Responding My spiritual mind 
I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.